there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Stacking Pennies. I'm Corley Joy. We have a big show this week because I'm not the host. I'm just going to be a guest calling in to recap my weekend, break down all things New Hampshire, MTJ getting a hometown win. we got Kyle Petty filling the seat. So buckle up. This is going to be a big episode of Stacking Pennies presented by Mobile One. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. Hi, I'm Kyle Petty, and welcome to Stacking Pennies, presented by Mobile One. I'm going to be your host this week. Today, I'm going to imitate Randy LaJoy. That, that will be my moniker for the day, so just refer to me as Randy. Oh, boy. Uh, wrong, <laughs> What's up, man? Uh, you know how many times we've been uh, yelled at by Randy LaJoy? <laughs> <laughs> Merriman, Chuck, you guys are here. So, uh, And our special guest, Corey LaJoy. I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm in Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, so we just drove the bus. Loaded the bus up from New Hampshire, drove it over to Connecticut, uh, spent a couple of days with family, and then drive it right over to Pocono. Fortunately for everybody that listens to the show, you are keeping my seat warm, and I am remote for the week, and I can uh, just give you guys a quick recap of my modified and cup day, and then let you guys have some real fun. How was that, man? Yeah. Man, both were results that, uh, I mean, I guess the modified result was better, but ended up P7 there. Modifieds around Loudon, dude, are so freaking fun. They draft and they and they do a bunch of different weird stuff unlike a cup car in in dirty air they get loose and miss the balance to start shit looked uh, free it looked it free. Was really loose. <laughs> yeah i saw like watching it especially when like you'd pick up the gas you could see if you tried to get a run yours would jump everybody else was pretty flat but you're doing a good job those cars are they get really loose in traffic because they have so much for down for so uh, i didn't know not racing those things a whole lot. I didn't really know how much I had to be tight to fire and got in traffic. It was like swatting flies. Hey, I want you to explain how the draft feels in one of those things compared to, to the cup stuff. You know what I mean? Because it is so dramatic to watch the draft in a modified at New Hampshire. So those things are so draggy and they also run restrictor plates, right? Remember what you were probably in that race when, when NASCAR made the mistake of putting restrictor plates on you guys there when Jeff Burton led every lap and nobody right? passed so, anybody all day long. Everybody just got, got in line and went. Yeah. But I think the difference of why restrictor plates work for modified is because the arrow, just the overall balance shift between being in clean air, you're really tight and then you get in traffic and you're four or five numbers free or the guy in front can't quite get out, get away because he just plowing tight and he's not handling well. So that was super interesting just to, for the challenge of racing, you know, just because those guys, I try to say it all the time, just because those guys aren't on TV on a Sunday afternoon doesn't mean those guys aren't professionals of their craft. You race the, the Justin Bontignors and the Doug Kobe's and, and Ron Silks, like those guys are really good at driving modified. So pitted uh, there with it rained. I'm surprised NASCAR put the effort in actually to, to get the track dried off. But luckily we had a little bit of a window to finish it, come in, 
put tires on it, and we had to let her tire loose. So we wasn't came out. wasn't me. I don't want to hear a damn yeah, word yeah, about your modified pit stop ever Too again. Too soon. No, we we <laughs> went. The, I did two free on the house. My, just friendship. I'll oh, come pit your modified last year, and one Martinsville had a shot to win New Hampshire, and I just got drugged through the coals. Oh no way! Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, a terrible pit stop. I'm like I'm. Well, only here to be a friend <laughs> because they were terrible pit stops both all three of you know my what they say races. what do they say you get what you, you get pay, pay for <laughs> you get what you pay for problem is i can't buy nothing better so i might as well i might as well get something for free we come out we actually came out our left rear tire was loose had to come back down pit road tighten it back up came out last car in lead lap like 18th 19th and had about 20 laps and made it back to 7th had a pretty good car there after the break. Bobby Santos and I got into it. He ended up getting the short end of the stick. He about flipped over. I kind of felt bad about that because I didn't mean to crash him. We were just racing hard at the end, and he got the short end of it. What do you think? What do you think happened there? Do you think maybe you just didn't enter low enough into one, or maybe he did he stand your door? Because so, I because it's hard to see from the angle, but it happened pretty fairly early in the corner. So. The, at that point of the race, the fat lady's warming up, right? She's starting to sing. So the the slide jobs are getting more aggressive. The The amount of room that you're giving everybody is is a lot less than it was lap 30 when there's 15 to go. So I was on the receiving end of a nerf bar from him the lap before that in three and four. And then I just happened to get a decent corner and get a big suck up down the front straightaway. Went into one and he tried to hang on the right rear corner. And his left front tire caught the Nerf bar and those things. And that's uh, a really bad spot to be. So it kind of hooked his wheel and that was it for him. So then past a couple more cars only made it back to seventh. But get, then you get yelled at in the pits. by. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got yelled at. Superstar. Superstar coming in here. Whacking us for ninth place. It's it's like I've got I've gotten a bad rap because it at, at Martinsville the three leaders wreck each other and I just happened to be fourth and it was my fault that I came out unscathed. Then you go to Loudon, you get used up, and then you return the favor. And because you're the one that didn't, you're the one that made it out. You're the asshole. So I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't make me excited to go run modifies when everybody thinks it's your fault, right? Like, but if for me it's fun. People ask why you do it. Because it's a challenge. It's fun to learn different tires, different aero balance. I think it allows me to jump back in the cup car and get like a another, like reset the feel of the tire. So there was that for the modified race. Practice qualified, cup car. I felt like that was the most we've unloaded like off base in a, in a while. Really, we're thrashing on everything we could touch to make it close. Qualified 24th. Was it tight or free uh, or just, just really loose? Really, man, it's just, that's a place too that's really hard to to understand. I mean, Kyle, you know where. Yeah, it, you have to manage. You're either going to be really good through the middle and terrible in and off, or you're going to be uh, really good in and off and terrible in the center. Or maybe I said the same thing, right? But you you have to give up one area of the corner to get one. Yeah. But we just were really loose everywhere. We, we've got the infinite amount of adjustments with platform control and rear sway bar, front sway bar and wedge. So we, we touched about every nut that we could and got it in the ballpark and then went to the race. And it was right at the moment at the, the race there where it got super, it started getting wide. I was following the, I sped on pit road. You mentioned that, which pretty much for everybody, you just can't make mistakes. You just cannot make mistakes. 
uh, in the Cup Series anymore because it just puts, puts you behind the eight ball, especially our team. It's so freaking hard to pass. You know, I thought we had the pace to be a 13th to, to 16th, 17th place car. And then you get back there and the four, so it was the 43 and the eight. And myself, we started like kind of working the top in a little bit before everybody else did. The 43, I was right behind him. He missed the corner. Chatters it in the corner up to like the third groove, like where I was like, oh man, that's like no man's land. And he just gets big grip and turns it down the hill and drives away. And I was like, hmm. He starts working it up there. The eight starts working it up there. And I followed him. You really had to be conservative rolling in there because it was easy to like chatter the right rear. So 43 rolls in, eight rolls in, and he loses it like instantaneously, loses the rear, stuffs it. And I came in behind him and I was even under what the depth I was going in the corner. So I saw the eight wreck and my picked up speed and hit the fence. Just the oil. So, huh? Yeah. Uh, he didn't blow a motor, but it was a backup car. So I was told that it had an oil leak and got in his right tire. And then the one, the groove that he was running was the one I was committed to. So that was, that was pretty much it for eight for, I thought it was it. So stuffed it, the things freaking hopping along, right? And the, you're on the, you're on the five minute clock. And if you don't make minimum speed, then you're done. So, uh, we come in, we put right side tires on it and I had to make the, probably the most wrecked car I've ever drove in my life, run a 30, a 3390 was a lap. So the first one out there, like I, I drug back from the field, they come from the restart, right? And I get this big toe down the front straightaway and it does not turn, chase it all the way to the fence, get a big run, do the same thing in three and four. And it was like a 3405 and Sparks is like, I need another 10th here, buddy. I'm like, I, I am risking my life to run minimum speed. I actually drove it into three, gets the hop in the right rear tire, was doing all sorts of funky stuff because the lower and the upper and the toe link was bent. And I bounced it off the fence, come back across the line. It was like a 34-10. And he's like, get one more here. If you can't do it, this is it. So I reached down the front straightaway, tugged my belts a little tighter, and I said, by God, I'm running a 33-90. My life depends on it. <laughs> so... I whistled in there. I backed my corner up a little bit so I didn't like annihilate the fence. I got like a big angle, drove downshifted, drove off like John Force. I crossed our finish line. It was a 3388. Let's go. Wow. I met minimum speed by two hundredths of a of a second. So that allowed me to pull behind the wall and sit for about an hour while my guys just were probably just like, just be done already. But <laughs> they were like, please yeah, don't do a 3390. Yeah, but the the lap was impressive because after you wrecked, I'm like, I mean, even Latart said on, on TV, they're not coming back. That's, that's going to be the first DNF right there. Impressive and tip of the hat for not settling for a DNF. Well, the only silver lining of the day, right? It's like... My guys thrashed in practice. We had a decent qualifying lap uh, for what I thought we were. And then we go and, you know, we don't take the fact that we're the only car to not have a DNF in the, in the series more than halfway through the year. We don't take that lightly. I mean, that was our, our number one goal this year was to we only finished 83 percent of the laps last year. So you don't score points if you don't finish the races. So we have achieved that every race. We finish on a lead lap. We're one off the pace almost every week. But. To have those guys thrash and put uppers, lowers, they put a, I think they put a right front upright on, might, might be wrong, but they put essentially all new suspension on the right side over about 80 to 90 laps and allowed us to go out and make the last hundred. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of my guys because those guys worked for it. That certainly is a silver line. We actually gained three, four spots, um, you know, so it's, it's tough to, 
it's tough to look at that like a positive, but I'll tell you, I, we've had some, some good runs this year and I left the track, you know, just disappointed on how we ran, but also more proud of my group than I, than I have been with some of our best weekends for the, the amount of effort those guys put for. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to say 80 or 90 laps sounds like a lot, but that's fair. That's really fast up there. That's a, that's no. yeah, they did that. And I'll speak from past experience and wrecking lots of race cars and having to put them together in the garage area that builds a team. That builds a team. That is, that's a huge team building experience. When they, you got to get in there and grind, put something together in the garage area just to go out and get three points, just to go out and get two points, because you don't know when that's going to show up. So, I, that, like I said, man, that's a great job by you and that team to to be able to get back out there and finish that thing. Are you just uh, sit, were you just sitting in the car the whole time? Because I yeah, had I had the in car up on my computer, just kind of keeping an eye. Yeah, I didn't ha- I didn't know the rule if you could get out. But also, I wasn't about to get out and been like pull the you know the section like in fine print like if the driver gets out, your day is done, right? So I was just gonna I was content to sit in there and soak for a little while, anyways, right? You don't really I wasn't in the mood to be conversational because I was just pissed off. But um, yeah, I was in there the whole time. Had a fan on me, cool suit, fan, chilling. The cool shirt did not work. Dang it! Did it turn hot? Yeah, I turned it on. It was pumping four hundred degrees water in my. Um, so I told Sparks, I said, I don't know where cockpit cooling is on our priority list, but let's bump that up a couple numbers. Just the summer races have been getting hot, bro. So that happened with Chandler Smith in the Xfinity race, and he had to get some help after the race. Do you just not, can you not just unplug it? Like where it comes it. out of your suit? Can <laughs> you should have told just, me that. just turn it off? No, but like, is that yeah. not just hit the switch? Is that not well? Yeah, like you could no, it you can turn it off and on. So I just turn it off, and then every every now and then I'm like, I, w- I wonder if it started working again, and I turn it on and be like, nope, still 300 degrees. But you so hope, like was- but you have that hope that it's going to come back, <laughs> that it's going to heal itself, and yeah, yes, I'm going to hit it, and it's going to be 32 degrees. We no, saw. instead, I, I maybe maybe <laughs> they hooked it up to like maybe they hooked my shirt up to like the the radiator. Remember like. <laughs> Yeah. They got one up at the museum at Level Cross that we saw. Oh, did you see the cool suit yeah. up there? Yeah, I asked your dad. I said, uh, did that thing turn hot? He said, about 50 laps in, that thing yeah. was hotter than hell. Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> that thing was crazy. The, the old cool suits, man, he'd wear, he'd wear this thing and setting on the floorboard on the other side, you had these cylinders that were about, I don't know, 18 inches tall, about as big around as a, as a Maxwell House coffee can, and they would you'd freeze them at night and we'd keep them in dry ice in the pits. And you'd have to run to that side of the car during a pit stop. And I would pop the top of, man, I did this when I was 13, 14, 15 years old. During a pit stop, you'd run to the right side of the car, pop the, the container open, pull that one out, drop another one in and close it up. And it would be frozen and they'd last 50, hundred laps. And you'd have to change them all during the race. And they were, my dad used to melt and run out of those things, man. These race cars, you, you go back in time, to the 60s and into the 70s, even the early 80s. There were tons of races that were won with relief drivers. You know, my dad would drive a while, then Marcus would get in and drive a while, then my dad would drive a while. Uh, and they'd win a race, you know what I mean, with with two or three. It's like, how am I supposed to win a race when you're using three drivers to win a race? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, can't, I can't beat all three of you, you know what I mean? But that's kind of the way it was. But that those, looking at those old antiques, cool suits, yeah. But it, it reminds you and lets you know that heat has been a problem in these things from the very, very beginning. It's not, you know, it's not new to 2023. Well, there was that one up there in Random, and it looks like a costume from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. crazy, man. It's crazy. It's got like rope ball hanging onto it, but yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if anybody else had 
uh, any heat issues on Sunday, but my car was particularly hot. It's just, it's never fun whenever you're just, your, your heart rate's high and what was the hottest, Kyle, what's the hottest you can recall ever being in a car? You know what? I, I have no idea. I, the hottest I ever felt in a car, this is no joke, was we used to run Nashville. Nashville got real hot. But Sonoma, we were running Sonoma, and they stopped the race and stopped us at the far end of the racetrack with about That's 10 or 15 place. laps to go. And you got no access to water. You got no access to anything, and you're just sitting there. And you know how it is. A lot of times practice can be hotter than a race because you come in and you're sitting in that heat. And you go out and you come in and you sit in that heat. That's as hot as I ever remember just physically being in a car. And when that thing was over, man, I headed straight to the infield care center, got me an IV bag, yeah. and headed to the house. That was kind of well, it because it was bad. That's that's usually on the hottest days is when you'll get one of those those reds and you're sitting there, and like you said, all the brakes are saturating the car. The engine's already 250 degrees. Everything just like gets hotter because there's no air moving through it. Yeah. That's that's when it gets that's unbearable. That's the worst, man. That is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the limited didn't street stock like, race, and I do. Like I understand. <laughs> I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. It didn't seem like MTJ had a problem this week, though. My man was on a mission. On a rail. On a rail, man. Hey, Kyle, we... There was some chat. There wasn't really chatter. It was just a, a Goodyear's first attempt to bring a soft compound, yeah. um, softer compound than what we've been used to seeing to the racetrack. And a lot of ones, you know, the, behind the closed meeting, closed door meetings, the drivers, all the drivers were like, hey, Goodyear, just we have your back if you make a tire and it's not going to be a 2008 Indy situation. Like we had your back. We're not going to say the tire sucks if you overshoot what is too soft. So um, what did, what did it look like as a as a spectator for that new tire? You know, here's the funny part about it. Probably one of the best races that I've seen at New Hampshire ever. There were there were pockets of racing where they were six or seven cars in a line, two or three deep, two or three wide. Yeah, you know, I mean, there there was racing, and and I know it was hard to pass, and and I know it was it was really hard, but you had guys like Christopher Bell who was just he was on a rail too and he passed and and you could pass and and i've never seen the racetrack and we were talking about it a little bit this morning i was talking to some guys i've never seen the racetrack get that wide you you talked about you know widening out getting in one you saw the 43 car get up and get out of the groove and then just hook and drive back across the racetrack i've never seen that racetrack get that wide i saw it go the other way uh, before this car, you know how they'd run on the flat coming out of turn four and get down on on the white gray below the the white line, but I've never seen it go the other way 
that far. And I, I think it opened up the racetrack and, and it allowed guys to search, not just search between two grooves or between two and a half. They were searching between three and four grooves. It looked like a couple of times. From, from a visual, it was a good race. It was a, it was a lot of racing on the racetrack. Let me just put it that way. For sure. I think also, you know, everybody wants to point to the, the arrow package. Like they think that one arrow package is going to fix all the racing where there's so many different variables that go into what a show that somebody's watching, whether it be on TV or in person, it's even ambient air temperature, direct sunlight, humidity, arrow package, horsepower. But the only thing that touches the road are them four black things, right? So Goodyear has a big say in the quality of the race. And I think they're on board as well now with the direction we're trying to go as a sport, what the drivers are wanting. We want some stickier tires on the front end and you can choose to burn them up early or you can go about saving them. I think we saw kind of the first glimpse of what the potential future of, of a short track tire looks like, but it was, uh, it was wild to see New Hampshire get that wide for sure. Did it just widen out like that? Was that tire just laying more rubber? So you had to get out of the rubber. So you just kept yeah. migrating up. Yeah. And I think the, I don't even know what you wanted to call it. It's like, there's the newer patch of asphalt that you just, we've been used to seeing everybody driving for as long as New Hampshire has been on the schedule. Right. And then there's like, there was the clear mark in the track where there's maybe old asphalt, or I don't even know, like just a, a different gradient of, of asphalt. It used to be sealed. And now it almost looked like every time a car went over it, it would like pick some of that sealer up and make that porous asphalt. Like the tire just liked that porous asphalt versus like the, the smoother asphalt that was on the bottom. And it was, a noticeable difference in right side grip when you when you got up there and it didn't it doesn't take long that's the thing back in the day before spotters and crew chiefs and smt a 43 or a or somebody gets up there on accident figures it out and drives by 10 15 cars now if somebody makes speed for five or six laps everybody's like okay do what this guy's doing and then everybody migrates there and then it's hard to pass again you know everybody's found that grip in a much more consolidated amount of time. Yeah, man, it was it was fun to watch. We found the top there at the end and felt like we had a, a run at the 19, but golly, every every race he wins, he seems to freaking lead a lot of laps. And I was listening to his scanner when the 12 was trying, like running that higher line, and then Truex was he searching up there. He tried, he tried, but he said he couldn't, like he, he couldn't, couldn't find the grip up there. Yeah, he couldn't. Truex could only make the bottom work, and he just wrapped the corners, and yeah. he wrapped them all day long. You know, it looked like... Kevin at, at Atlanta when Harvick would run at Atlanta and just wrap the bottom. Um, it was the same thing, but he tr he did try. Yeah, the, the 12 car was the only car until the end of the race, and, and I felt like you get Joey within the last 10 or 15 laps and give him a shot. I don't oh, care yeah. if he's in a shoebox. He makes something happen a lot of times. Yeah. You know what I mean? You guys were the only car. The 12 car was the only car that really worried him. Blaney got up there, and it, it didn't. It got him out of his rhythm. It, it got him into came a out of place. nowhere. I think Josh was like, Josh, our spotter was like, the I don't know. He said the one car is the only one up there, but he's making yeah. time. And we went up there and we closed on 19. And I was like, damn. Yeah. Because nobody had closed on him all day. Nobody had closed. He would he would stretch and just just kind of fall into. It. It's it's funny, and and I think about it, I was thinking about it yesterday watching the race. So this is and we talked about it again. So Truex has won 34 races. Okay. Seven of the 34 races he's won, he's won the first stage, the second stage, and the race. So 20% of the races he's won, he never had to race. He just drove off and left everybody. Yeah. And that's his MO. When you watch him, when that's what's scary about Martin. 
when you when they drop the green flag and he goes to the front early and leads, you got to be worried. Yeah. Because that's his that's his mo. He doesn't race his way to the front. He just gets out there and makes you chase him. And that's listen. It's a great place to be, man. <laughs> it's a great it's a great feeling to have and a great place to be. But think about that. Twenty percent of the races you win, you are just the dominant car in twenty percent of those races. I think about that Coke six hundred that oh, he God, just man, killed everybody in. That was but... crazy, man. That was crazy. Hey, before we let you go, every guest on the show has to answer three questions. <laughs> hey, let's go. Flipping it on so you. I got, three, I got three questions for you. Yeah. First one. One track, one car the rest of your life. Where are you going? Super late model at Rockingham. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's uh I don't know what they're doing with Rockingham Kyle. I hope, hope you have some inside knowledge of I got none. you know they put a fresh coat of asphalt on that girl. And that would be I, I told Jordan Bianchi at Atlanta, he was just kind of pulling all the drivers of uh if they were building an ideal schedule of what it looked like. I would have one date that kind of rotated for a points event between like a Kern County, a Rockingham, someplace that doesn't have necessarily the infrastructure that you would expect a cup series to go to, but you can just deal with it for a week because you're going to that track. I, I would, I would love to see cup cars, not trucks, not Xfinity cars like they tried, you know, however long ago, like bring the big dogs to town and watch the fans show up and support it. Uh, so I, but for me, a super late model is super fun to drive. So that, that would be my one car, one track. Your most embarrassing moment at the racetrack ever? Man, a lot, a lot of them. So actually, I'll. You guys have pretty much heard all all of my most embarrassing moments. I've been there for uh, most of them. <laughs> you've been there for most of them. I wanted to tell a story while I'm sitting there. You know, Chuck said he asked if I was sitting in the car while it was wrecked. I was, and I had this really strong inkling, like a, this really strong verge or this urge. I had to like curb to tell a story i was like i didn't i don't feel like it's appropriate uh for story time when my guys are getting burned by <laughs> but like, i had two memories like sitting there they like almost like a, a what the hell they call it where you think about like something like where you're like flashing deja vu deja vu so my first my rook my first ever cup start was at loudon got the thing in the show it's like a go or go home or i got the thing in the show we Get in the race, and my guys forgot to swap. They unhook the gear cooler for qualifying, right? Because less drag, whatever, and gets temp, and they they just didn't swap it back to the gear cool cooler. About forty five laps in, it burned the gear up. So pull behind the wall. Guys are changing the gear. A similar pit stall, like it was just like vivid memory. Mine, whatever it was, 2013, 2014. So almost a decade ago. Fast forward, here I am, still doing the same. And they changed the gear. I go back out there and I'm, we had actually had a pretty good car. So I find myself in the mix with like McDowell in the 95, uh, Josh Wise was driving Phil Parsons car. There was like a gaggle of us. Well, those guys, I didn't know race etiquette for nothing. I, I, I didn't know what to do, what to not do. I just was in there racing. Like Rick Hendricks going to be watching me driving the box and he's going to give me a job tomorrow. That's what I figured. So I'm in the mix. I'm like 150 laps down, right? And I'm like in the middle of these guys racing for Lucky Dog. And Josh Wise just in the middle of the corner just like drove, drives right in my left rear and spins me out. And I was like, I didn't run into him or nothing. Finished the race. I kind of got the I got the message like, oh, okay, I don't think I should be in this mix. Josh called me on Monday. He's like, do you know why I spun you out? And I was like, kind of, not really. He goes, just like... That was like my first 
hey, man, this is how we race here. Use some common sense, but I just didn't have anybody around me to tell me what that was. I had to learn it the hard way. And Josh Wise was my first lesson of like, yo, man, today's not your day. So don't get in the way of my day. And Kyle, I want to know, since me telling a story, I want to know who was your first lesson of like, hey, man, welcome to the Cup Series. This is how you're supposed to do it. That's a good question. I, you know, that's a, that's a great question. We had, they had a different, it was different then because they didn't race like they, they like like this so my first my first cup race was talladega and i qualified like 18th or 19th and out qualified bobby allison i was a badass you know what i mean <laughs> and, and i'm i'm 18 years old you know what i mean they dropped the green flag on that thing and the next time i saw bobby and my dad and pearson and kale and those guys was in the mirror they were coming up you know what i mean and i'm I'm up on the wheel. I'm I'm driving the crap out of this thing, man. This old big Dodge, man, as big as this room we're in. And um, they come by me, and every one of them's waving when they come by. You, you know what I mean? Every one of them got their got their hand out. Just just big little, old hands yeah, too. Them yeah, guys. just little, just little wave. You know what I'm thinking? Assholes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I should be able to run with these. And it, it was. I, I will tell you this story. So after the race, after the race, I'm beat. I, I'm beat. I mean, it's Talladega, but. I am just exhausted. I'm 18 years old. I'm laying on the concrete. Mentally and physically. Right? Both, both. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, just beat. So I'm, I'm laying on the concrete. <laughs> I, I, just, I just lay down on the concrete because it's cold. You know what I mean? And I'm laying there, and I got a towel wrapped around my head, you know, and I'm just laying there. And something hits me in the ribs. And I'm like, God, I can't even hardly lift my head, you know. And I look up, and it's Pearson. He's got a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. <laughs> and, he, and he takes a drag off his cigarette and he says, damn it, you're going to have to get tough if you're going to run with us. Oh, man. And I said, I hear you, brother. And I lay back down. <laughs> and I'm like, these guys are 40 years old and kicking your butt. But I never, you know, Earnhardt spun me a couple of times. Then I spun Earnhardt a couple of times. When, we, when he was driving for Bud Moore, that's when I first started. You know, he was driving that Ford and it was not much of a car at the time. I never, but we never had that. We, because honestly, Corey, we had, it was a different time when you had A cars and there was like five or six of them. And then you had B cars and there were five or six of them. And then you had C cars and you had D cars. And a C car was like a Junie Dunleavy. You know what I mean? It was a journeyman car. You know, mm -hmm. it's where you started or where you ended your career, like Dick Brooks or like Schrader started there. And those guys, you just kind of, and then you would hope that a Rick Hendrick or, a Bud Moore or, you know, a Stavola brothers at the time, somebody like that would see you and you could move up. And, and that was kind of the way it was. And I started, listen, I started in my dad's stuff. And if you go back and look at my first year, I ran five races in 79 and then ran 18 races, 19, 20 races in, in 80. But I blew up 18 times because they would take the engine out of my dad's car that he run at Martinsville and I'd run it at Charlotte and they'd take what he run at Charlotte and I'd run at Dover, you know, so it's not going to, that old stuff wouldn't last you know, a thousand yeah. miles. You couldn't get two races out of it. So it was just blowing up. So listen, I think, I think everybody, I think every week I got that feel that, Hey man, this is their week. This is not your week. You need to go somewhere else. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it was just that kind of feeling. Your dad has a similar story. The first time we ran Darlington, he said, I was running Darlington. I was running 10th and I was like, damn, this ain't that hard. He said, then Kale Yarbrough come up and lapped him. And all he saw was, he said, all I saw was elbows and he yeah. was gone. Yeah, and I was like, okay, never mind. This is hard. Those guys, those guys were just when when you grew up with those guys, and I grew up watching them race. And and we were talking about your dad earlier. Your dad was a hell of a race car driver, man. And, and it just was. He came to Cup a little bit later, 
You know what I mean? If he had come to Cup early, then it would have been he'd have had a different career. But it's it's just like those guys just they were tough between their ears. They willed themselves to do stuff. They willed themselves to get in a car. I'll never forget, man. My dad wrecked at Pocono, broke a wheel going across the tunnel and ran a handle in the wall. And um, as soon as the race was over, man, we hightail it to Lehigh to the hospital. We're in the hospital, and uh, the doctor said, um, <laughs> Dr. he's there, you know, and he's got his neck because he broke his neck. And uh, the doctor said, uh, "When's uh, when did he break his neck the first time? And we all look at him, and it's like, he's never broke his neck. He's a Oh, yeah, he's broke it before. <laughs> this is the second time he's broke his neck. And it's like, are you kidding me? And listen, you'll love this. Next race is Talladega, okay? You should have got this out of Inman. Next race is Talladega. And they put a thing in the car. He's wearing that styrofoam cup around his neck, you know, those those neck brace things where it holds your head up like this and you're like that. So they put a thing in the car. They take his helmet. They drill a hole in the top of his helmet and put an eye hook in it, you know, just a hook. <laughs> And then they go to a bar, they weld a bar across it, and they put a cable from here up that goes through a pulley on the top of his head, goes over to the main hoop bar, and goes down to the door bar, and they hang weight on it to keep his head in traction. You know what I mean? So it's got like five or ten pounds that's stretching his neck like this, and they throw the green flag, and he starts to race with with his head in traction in the car (laughs) like this. And he runs to the first caution and gets out, and Joe Milliken gets in and finishes the race. And I'm like, that's crazy, dude. Different breed. Just, that is just crazy. Cra- but they never thought about not yeah. starting yeah. the race. And never, just, you never thought about it. So th- those guys, that's a different kind of racing. You know what I mean? And I get that question. You get that question a lot. What about the racing today and, and, and then? It's just different, man. It's different. It's just different. And I love racing, so it's all good. It's all good racing to me. I, I don't care where you're at. It's yeah. just all good racing. How did, last question. You have to get rid of every racing memory but one. Which one are you keeping? Yeah, I like I like this question. That's why I ask it every week. I would probably say there's been a couple like watershed moments of where you actually have to choose to to want to be a race car driver for yourself and not for anybody else. And that moment for me was that late model uh, that I crashed, the one Steve and I built all winter long. Went to Rockingham, broke a left rear hub, killed it had to borrow the flatbed from the racetrack to get the car home type of wreck. Built that car. You guys have heard the story. Win that race. Won a couple more after that. But winning that late model race was kind of like a little bit of validation because I was the first race. I was probably, I don't know, 16, 17 was the first race I've ever won in a big car. But that was like the first one where I realized I was was doing it for myself as opposed to my dad or my grandpa or anybody else. So if I had to lose all of them, I would probably keep that one because that's where that was like a foundational building block to my career was, was off that, was that off that race. And that just that kind of seasonal life. That's where the famous quote yeah. came the famous Randy LaJoy quote from the couch. You want to race or not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll race. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Oh, that's, good, man. that's a good memory. That's good. It's a good story. Yeah. So, all right. I'll leave. I'll leave you guys to it. I'm gonna be back to dad duty. Appreciate everybody listening. KP, really appreciate you filling in for me this week, and I'm sure that the listeners are gonna enjoy it. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, man. See you, dude. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For me, race day is a great reason to shut down the laptop, put the phone on silent, and simply enjoy the drive. But Mobile One wants to remind you that you can get the same kind of escape any day of the week. How? By simply hopping in your car, rolling the windows down, and hitting the road. No emails, no calls, no work, just freedom. Mobile One for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash NASCAR to learn more. Wait, is that a doorbell? Yeah. Yeah, there's one in the studio, I think. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Dude, I ordered some food. What? Yeah. No yes. way. You guys ever had Jinya? Yeah, I've had Jinya. I know they're celebrating their 13th anniversary right now. What's your favorite bowl? Oh, man. The, the spicy chicken ramen, I think, is, is one of my tops. I'm a big Jinya bun guy. Pork belly in there? The 10 out of 10. Ginya bun? Ginya bun. The ginya buns are, ginya bun. are where it's at. I, myself, I'm into the crispy rice and spicy tuna right here. Yeah. But you guys are welcome to have whatever you want. Well, you know, they're, they're celebrating their anniversary, and they're doing a Christmas in July on the 24th and 25th of this month. So every Ginya location will offer $13 specials on four of their most popular bowls. 50 locations nationwide. And their biggest location in North America is right here by us in Charlotte, South no Park Mall. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You can have to go. You can also get $3 small plates. So the uh, the spicy chi- uh, tuna tuna thing there, yeah. Get that, the bao buns. That's, oh, a, three yeah. do- that's a small plate? Yeah, that's, that's a small a plate. plate. That's a Hey, it's going to be good stuff. Sounds like a good place for double date. We'll bring the, bring the wives down there. I, just, I have to bring my kids too. Double. Well, I got them too, but yeah, I don't okay, know if you want kids. me to bring yeah, my three. Bring the kids. Bring I don't the kids. know if you want me to bring hey, my three. Three dollar small plate. Three dollar small plate. Bring we, the small ones. You got to get there early though, because only the first one hundred guests will receive a free Genia branded swag bag. I got a tent. I got a tent. I'll get. I'll go over. Okay. Okay. I'll camp out. Well, y'all enjoy this food and yeah. Go check out GeniaRamenBar dot com to find the location nearest to you. And we're back, and you. Didn't have to take a trip to New Hampshire this weekend. You watched her from the house. I watched it from, um, I did watch it from the house because it was on, I would have watched it from the beach on Sunday, but I watched it from the house on Monday. Yes. So you got to watch just a classic Martin Truex ass kicking. Wow. And that was classic. So um, doing the things earlier, uh, we had a graph of Martin's day. And it went first, 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 first. Oh, green flag stop. First, first, first. I mean, that's the way it was a flat graph. Yeah. It was a flat line. But, you know, and and we talked about it earlier a little bit and said something about it. It's the way Martin Truex wins races, you know? Who's he remind you of? Throwback. You know, I don't see that's a tough question. That's a tough question because, listen, I come from an era, a couple of different eras. Where if you go back to to my dad and Pearson and those guys, you know, they'd win races by six laps. So you could say that's the kind of performance it was because that's what it feels like. You know, it feels like a driver is just going to lead every lap and win everything. I I think when you come along with 
with Mark and Rusty and Earnhardt and those guys, nobody did this. Nobody ever ran away with a race like this. There, there was that rare moment, you know, where somebody might have a, have a great race, but not as consistently as Truex does. I mean, he just, it, you can, when you look at his 30 plus wins, 34 wins, whatever he has, you, you go through it. And I said it earlier, seven of those, he's won first stage, second stage, and the race. 20% of the races that he's won, he has stunk up the show. You, you know what I mean? And that's, that's a big number, man. So, and you don't see that in, you don't see that in Kyle Larson. You don't see that in oh. Joey Logano. You know, you don't see that in Kevin Harvick. You know, it's just his MO. And he, I don't, he doesn't remind me of anybody that I've ever seen because he just, he just dominates when, when his, it's his day, it's his day. It's crazy. Cause it's like the tale of two careers. Yeah, it is. Right. Like he had a full career. That was not great. No, he had a mediocre career. Yeah. Yeah. And and let's be honest. He 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 had a to be as as the caliber of race car driver that Martin Truex is. Um and he will go down as as one of the great race car drivers in in cup racing. To have that career and and you look at his Xfinity, there he was, man. Bush Xfinity. I mean, he was beating Kyle Busch. He was the guy. Yes. He was the guy. And then it's like, so let's go run cup. Or did Martin go? I don't, I don't see him. You know, he just kind of disappeared. And DEI was going through a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff going on. Don't get me wrong. And that, that has a, a large bearing on it. Uh, but, man. If his career ended with Waltrips. Oh, my gosh. Right? Like, it's it's a little bit like what happened with Logano. Yeah. Right? Like, they kind of a circumstance. He went out to Colorado to a team that yeah. wasn't really oh, proven. He gets Cole Pern at the right time. And those guys just skyrocket. So, it's the same. And I, I always said this about Logano. Logano was like a slot machine that – Joe Gibbs put a bunch of money into and never paid off. Roger Penske picked it up on sale and pulled the lever one time and hit the jackpot. And that's kind of the way it was. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the way Truex was. It was like everybody had kind of, okay, see ya. You know what I mean? You you couldn't do it here. You couldn't do it there. You couldn't didn't get it done. So he ends up in Colorado and just changes changes the trajectory of his career and how we perceive him in this sport. So I want to kind of ask this question. I don't know if I'm going to phrase it the right way. If you look back at the history of it. So your dad yeah. won, I think, seven races up until 1971 where he led every lap. Yeah. Like green flag to checkered flag. Yeah. And then we don't really see it that much. You see some dominating performances. Yeah. But then with Truex in almost the stage era, is it easier to do it? Than, or it feels like it would be harder in a stage era to do it in – Oh, I think it's harder to do it now than it was. Listen, there, there's – so let, let's go to that. Let's go to – so Richard Petty did it seven times by 71 or, or 72, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay, he's already won 110 or 15 races by that point too. So that's seven out of 115. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's not that odd because it's a small not small percentage. Truex has done it 20% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's a huge number. When you start looking at that, you know, 20% of the races that Truex wins, he just drives away from the field. They don't see him the rest of the day. And, and that is, so that's why when, Marilyn, when you say, who do you compare him to? There's nobody to compare him to. Because I think the races that we're talking about with, with, with my dad and stuff, and it's not stage races, but we have to go back and, and, and be realistic that some of the races in the 60s that my dad won were 150 lap races. 200 lap races. It was easy to drive away from the field or easier. I don't I, think. I'm not going to say it's easy because competition is right. relative. So I'm not going to say it's easy. And, and you can't say 
this driver's better than this driver from this era because I think you just have to to look at it that way. But it was it was a different time. But with, like nowadays, there's too many cars on the lead lap. Yeah, right. Way there's too many. so many cars on lead lap that the last time I think a driver led every lap was 2015 Logano Bristol Xfinity race. I know that because I was changing tires. <laughs> yeah, I don't but, know. But but the only reason that we led every lap is because the cautions fell correctly. Yeah, that's right. And it was a short race, and there's a lot of cars on lead lap. There's only t- probably 12 cars on lead lap. So the cautions have to fall correctly. But now with so many cars on lead lap, and what you saw yesterday, two tires staying out, four tires, it's just, I mean, you can win. Like, I feel like when you lead 254 out of 301, yeah. that's damn near that's equivalent the, to leading it, every lap. You, you got to go You, you got to go back to, like, you get the wave around. They give people their lap back with the lucky dog. That didn't happen in the 60s and 70s and 80s and yeah. in the 90s. It just didn't happen. You had to work your ass off to get your lap back. You get a lap down, you had you had to line up on the inside, and you had to fight and drive your guts out for 15 or 20 laps or until you could catch a caution or just try to drive off and leave that guy. And it didn't happen very often. It was tough to make laps up then. It's not as hard to make laps up now. and But the competition is so great that you get – 25 or 30 cars in the lead lap yeah. all the time. So it, 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 it's just a different, it's a different way to do it. And listen, you know, I, I won a couple of races at Rockingham and led, you know, 190 some laps out of 500 or whatever it was down there. But we were just on that day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the next day you're six laps down in the first hundred laps of the race. You know yeah. what I mean? So it, it's not, but what, what Martin does is Martin to me watching Martin Truex if I'm watching the first 50 laps of the race and Martin Truex finds his way to the lead, I'm worried for the rest of the day for everybody else because that's his MO. His MO. He doesn't, and I'm not saying that he can't race. That's, this is not what I'm saying. Martin never seems to have to race hard for a win. He just wins. He just goes and wins. Or it doesn't look like, he doesn't, you know, it doesn't but look like that's hard, like but what he yeah. does is hard. What he does, like yesterday, is hard to do. Well, and, and he survived three restarts in the final 24 yeah, laps. Yeah. Like He killed was, him on the restarts. Right. It wasn't that he just walked away with no. it. He had to fight for it at the end, and yeah. it was one of those things. If you're him, I, I it was on their radio. It said, you know, this is like this. Uh, there goes everything. Yeah. Like they thought but, that so the think black about, cloud was coming back. Yeah, so think about this. Think about let, – let's go back. Let's Let's go back to yesterday. And, and Martin, you know, the restarts, he just, he would roll into the restart box and he was gone. And another thing that helped yesterday was if you were on that inside line, there was no grip there. You, yeah. you, could, you couldn't get going. It reminded me of Atlanta sometimes where you just, if you're in that inside line. So not only did he, he had the advantage by being the lead car, but now every restart, he wasn't the lead car. I mean, he'd start in the second row and the third row and still find his way to the lead in, in a couple of laps. Uh, on a couple of those restarts because you had Stenhouse and we had Dylan and we had Kevin and we had guys that stayed out or only changed two tires or whatever that may be. But as you when you when you look at this, let's go back 10 years, 20 years. I don't know what, when it was. Whenever he, it, Listen, I lose track of time. But let's go back to when he drove for DEI and then even when he started with, this, with the 78 team. I mean, how many times did you interview him? When he'd get his butt kicked on a restart late in the race, he'd finish second again, second again, third, second. He just couldn't get over that. And it was almost it was almost like him watching Eeyore be interviewed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thanks for noticing me. 
finished second again. You know what I mean? And he just couldn't get over that hump. Now that he's got over that mental block or whatever that was that he had, he I don't think it – I think it it might be there, but he doesn't show it. He doesn't show it like he used to. There are only four driver, active drivers right now that have more wins than him. That's crazy. Wow. He's got 34. It, you've got Keselowski at 35, so he's knocking yep. on the door there. Denny Hamlin, 49. Kevin Harvick, 60. Kyle Busch, 63. Yeah. And that, listen, it, when you look at it, you know, and and everybody that you mentioned also has a championship. Yep. You know what I mean? So that's – you've you've been elevated to another level. Well, you're, Denny, you're in a different Denny place. doesn't. Well, Denny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Denny never will, but that's a whole other no. problem. You know what I mean? That's a mental block for Denny. Yeah. You know, and that is a mental block for Denny. I, I, and I, I believe that. I think a lot of, lot of when we get down to Denny – I think Denny – we're going to look back at Denny and say – Absolutely one of the greatest race car drivers to ever sit in a race car. No doubt. Could get it done anywhere, anytime, any given day. But the championship thing is a mental block. It is He has been in position, but when he's in that position, something clicks inside his head and he can't get around that place. He cracked me up the other day when that new threads, there was like a new Twitter thing that came oh, out. Yeah, and he yeah. said, great. Another platform for people to tell me I don't have any championships on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so – listen – and I'm a, that's okay, because listen, Mark Martin is absolutely one of the greatest race car drivers to ever set in a race yeah. car. Could get it? I'm convinced Mark Martin could get in a car today and still win races. Tough. I, I, I'm just saying. I mean, that's just he is a freak of nature, an anomaly. He's just one of those guys. They this, ever start but, racing like Newell buses? Yeah, he is gonna kick does, everybody's ass. That's true. <laughs> but does, but does does Mark Martin have to have a championship for me to feel that way? By no, he does not. Yeah. No, he does not. He doesn't it's need just, one for him to know he's good, too. No, and it's, it's just like a lot of NBA players or NFL players. You don't have to show me your ring. I don't care. Yeah. I know you were the greatest defensive back I ever saw play. I know you were the greatest quarterback. You know what I mean? Hey, you don't have to show me that. Dan and that, Marino. That's not a – yeah, that's not, a, that's not a, a, a thing that I judge you by. You know what I mean? That, that, that part of it. So, listen, I, I think Denny – and Denny and I have had our, our differences through the years – but the respect level that I have for Denny Hamlin is is huge as a race car driver. What I think one thing that needs to be talked about, and we'll touch on this more when we talk about Pickery stuff later on, but to lead, to win that many stages and be as dominant as he is, the team is yeah, really strong. Is. And the team around him and, you know, from Cole Pern to James Smalls, and that comes from the top down. And just the leadership too, because yesterday he was challenged. It was He didn't yeah, go yeah. unchallenged, but Pitt Road's a place, I take this from Joe Piet. Yep. You're not going to win the race there, but you sure as hell can lose you it can there. Lose it. And he didn't win it there, but everybody else that was challenging him lost it there, ourselves included. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that just goes to show, like, the people he's surrounded with and, and, and the team that he's built around him after being on the 78 and, and building that, it's it's impressive. But you look but, – but I'll say this, too. If you look at what Martin does is a tribute to the, – and the team is, is – this is a team sport. Yeah, you know, yeah. so many people want to just point at the driver, point at the driver. But it is a team sport. But when I look at Martin did what he did with Cole, but he's doing it with James. Yep. That's that's impressive. That's what that's I think a, the big yeah. takeaway is. That, that is me. Because everybody thought yeah. Pern was a genius. Yeah. And and listen, Pern is a genius. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. taking that way. But how many – we've seen so many drivers. Listen, I go back to my dad and Dale Inman. They won. When Dale left, my dad didn't win anymore. That that's that combination. I go back Terry to Bill Elliott. And, I go back to Bill Elliott and his brothers. Yeah. They won everything. 
Bill still won races, but not to that that point. Jeff Gordon still won races, but not to that point. There was there's some kind of magic there that it, it takes those two, and it takes the group that surrounds them to make that work. And Martin is the common de- denominator here that that keeps this this hype or this this game going. And I think that's a tribute to Martin Truex and who he is as a person, and and how he portrays himself and how the team responds to him well and to that point in the media center after the race james small was talking about the flight back from sonoma they were drinking beers on the back of the plane talking about winning at Loudon. yeah like that like but it was the way he described it was like it's just buds talking about racing it's like what's the things you want to do like what and and like he said now now mates mates." now now the reverse is that is flying home from richmond the first race when they were killing each other Because they didn't change tires, okay? Because we didn't change tires, and why the F didn't you tell me? And it wouldn't have done me any good. We were already in a bad situation. you know. And they're arguing on the radio in front of God and country and everybody. That, from that moment to where they are now, shows how strong that team is. Because when you can have that frank discussion, Mm -hmm. and I can argue with you, and we can all but come to blows, and then we put it behind us and we go win a race, that is a huge moment for a team. Yeah. That's it, because that tears a lot of teams apart. So for them to have already been there this year and to build back to where they are now, you, you got to look at that team and say, that's a strong team. You know what I mean? They, they, are they peaking at the right time? I mean, we, why, after three races in the season, we want to always say, well, this guy's on his way to a championship. It's three races into a 36-race season, yeah. you know what I mean? And we, we, we're, we, we've got six races before the regular season's over, and we're still saying, who's the favorite? Who's the favorite? You don't have to have a favorite at this time. It's such a long season with so many peaks and valleys. But what you do each week, and you know it as a team, you put another brick in the wall yep. to build that championship wall, to build that that caliber of team that you're going to be. Or you stack pennies. Yeah, stack pennies. That's <laughs> it. You stack pennies. And and that's, that's a better example. So you stack pennies, and Martin and those guys have been stacking pennies since Richmond. Yeah. When you look at it and putting them in the right places, putting them in the right – all teams haven't been doing that. All teams now, have not. You've been on a lot of teams. As, yeah. You know, I don't – when I see James Small – and Martin, right? Martin's a Jersey guy, modified guy. I know his yeah. dad, you know, they're they're brash guys. And guys from Australia and New Zealand, they are brash as oh, hell. Yeah. So, like, when I see them going at each other, it didn't look it, – it was more, to me, something for the media to talk about yeah. than it was, like, a quarrel between them. Because I want people that will, if they have a problem with me, will talk to me. Yeah. Don't talk to everybody else. Come talk to me, and we'll figure it out. Yeah. And that's what I don't – I obviously don't love when you key it up on the radio and you hear your stuff out there, right? Because then, yeah. then you're in the news. But if you can get through but, that, that shows the strength of your team and your relationship. Yeah, but it's it's almost like there's that there's that stupid saying for with with family. We can fight with each other, but don't come in here and try a to fight. A thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's kind of what that shows that they are. They can fight with each other all day long, but don't you step in the ring with us. My gas you know man, I mean? Andrew Lackey. Always oh, says he's an idiot, but he's our idiot. He's our so idiot. That's right. We're, we're not going to turn, but that's the way it is. So, yeah, I, th- I think you know, I, I think Martin and those guys, I think they've established themselves, and and I think they've always been a championship team. I think they're reestablishing themselves as one of those teams. I don't know wh- how many teams are going to be in that mix. I can't say today how many teams are going to be in. But I, I and I've said it before. I think Paul Wolf and Joey Logano 
establish or stacking pennies in the right yeah. place. They take and make something out of nothing on a weekly basis. You've got a 15th place car and he runs second with it. He's got a 20th place car and he runs fifth with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They put themselves in position and that's where you build that confidence as a team. There's other teams that are out there and listen, I'll be frank and, and Christopher Bell. That's You give Christopher Bell Chicago and here he is in Chicago running. They say they're going to shorten a race and he and Tyler and these, they go out and wreck. If they just run their race, they're going to win the race. Yeah. And if you would just give them those points that they had at Chicago, just give Christopher Bell the points that he would have had yesterday for finishing seventh, eighth, or ninth, then it's not a two-way. It's not, it's not William Byron and Truex we're talking about. We're talking about Christopher Bell, William Byron, and Truex because now he's only 15, 20 points behind. So he's in the mix. How did he but, end up wrecking yesterday? I don't want to hammer Christopher Bell. I can't uh, hammer him no, a little bit after listen, Chicago, but listen, I don't hammer him too hard. And, and I, I think watching the race yesterday, and, and I will say this as a driver, I will never put myself in a position where a driver and try to second guess what a driver yeah. does. Because I'm not setting my butt in that car at 140 degrees trying to make a split second decision. On the outside looking in, it was they had gotten behind for pit stops. They'd gotten behind. He'd driven from the back to the front. Yeah, a couple One times. time. Oh, my gosh, man. It was an incredible drive. But it's like you get into that place where you're trying to make something happen late in a race. And he just got in the corner too hard. It, yeah. it just it just stepped out from under him, and he just couldn't catch it. Now, when you had your success, and I, I asked this because— For that one day. Because, well, when you had your day, success had at Rockingham, <laughs> right? Because you were really good yeah. at Rockingham. Christopher Bell, exceptional Loudon. Loudon. Is there added pressure on you when you go back to, like, is there added pressure on him? Was there added pressure on you at no. Rockingham? There no. wasn't. You know what? I never looked at it that way. I'm sure there, there probably was because everybody looked at you. But I've, I've been around racing long enough and have seen— the cyclical nature of the sport where the magic comes and the magic goes. And if you try to regain it, then you, you're worse than yeah. you ever were. You, you know what I mean? You, you were worse. Than, and, and I've said that in the past about race car drivers. I've watched a lot of great race car drivers get to the end of their career and do things that they would have never done when they were 36, that they would have never done because they're looking for that little piece yeah. of magic to give them that one more shot at glory. And, um, but, but, you know, I think for there are tracks, and I truly believe this, that there are great race car drivers like a Kevin Harvick. There are great race car drivers like a Kyle Busch, like a Joey Logano, and they can drive anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Then there's race car drivers like me that I was a decent race car driver and a journeyman race car driver, and there were certain tracks like Dover and Rockingham, and Martinsville, and Wilkesboro, and Brist, certain tracks that just met my, that fit my style of driving. Now, you take me to a Texas or a Chicago, I may be out to lunch. And, and I'll admit it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 that just wasn't my... Listen, I always said about Darlington, love the people, hate the track. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and that's the way it, fill it with water and let's have ba stadium bass fishing. My that was favorite a, quote of all. <laughs> that was my, that was Darlington. The best me. one I just is. could never, I could never get into that. You know what I mean? But, but Grace. <laughs> but this place is so bad. They probably, you could stock it with a million fish and yeah, you probably I still want to catch, catch one. <laughs> but, but you look at, you look at, so what I'm saying is, what, what I'm saying for, so when a track meets your, when it's your style and it's your rhythm, then there's not any more pressure because it's just a fun place to go. Yeah. You know? And I and I think if you watch the way Christopher run most of the race, that's the way he ran it. 
That's what he said. Yeah. Said on Saturday that it's just it. He likes it because you don't have to stick with one thing. You can search around. You can search around. You can do stuff. And that's his style of driving. And and that's where he's at. So he fits in there. So I don't. I don't think you. I, I don't think you, he puts any more pressure on him. I think, I, and listen, I thought he did a phenomenal. If he could have that one lap back, yeah, it would totally change um, the conversation we're having. Yeah. What? What? Ha- there's notes on here about Kyle Busch. What happened with Kyle Busch? I mean, he just he, didn't. He like, yeah, broke a line. They, yeah. He they unloaded. Three, he wrecked like, three times in one weekend. One, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And and I, and I, and I'll say this about Kyle Busch. Okay, is we had a um, we had a, a press thing for Cheddar's. Scratch Kitchen, his his sponsor at Nashville. And he sat in front of the media there and we sat on stage and he talked about this aero engine package and how they were struggling with it. How at the, these racetracks, they just hadn't hit that combination. And, and at the time, you know, everyone, you know, he'd coming off these wins and doing this stuff and it's like... He's a championship contender, and but in Kyle's mind, I think he knew there's this there's this dark cloud out there. We got to figure out what this is because this is the Phoenix package, this yeah. is the Richmond package, this is a package we've got to get around. And what what yesterday or what what New Hampshire showed me is they don't have a handle on this package yet. Yeah, they just don't have a handle on. It. And and I know the three uh, of Austin Dillon had a decent finish, but strategy put him in position to get there. He didn't run up there. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and you know, the two tires verse at different times and the way the cautions fell, that put him there. But I think it's it's that's a glitch in their armor. Yes. If I'm looking at, at RCR for a championship, I'm saying there's a glitch there. You yeah. know, right now, I don't see a glitch for Truex. I don't see, you know, I see a glitch in Joy's armor because the Fords haven't run good everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there, there's, there's pluses and minuses to a little bit of everybody. What about the 24? You, you ask about the 24, and this is the way I look at it is I looked at Atlanta and I thought, mm, right place, right time. They just put themselves, yeah. got there at the right place. They weren't the car. You know, they were good. They were good. They were a lot better than they were able to show before the, before the end of the second lap because they were coming, man. They were wrapping three and four on the bottom. He was there. They had, they had their strategy, everything they did was good. And then their strategy played out and they win the race. Yeah. And a lot of people look at it and say, well, they shouldn't have won the race. They, they had speed. If you watched where they were at, they had the speed. Last summer, they just took off during the middle of the year. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know where they went. Um, this summer, they seem to be more con- consistent and, and a little bit better. And going into New Hampshire, I didn't expect anything from them because he's not really run good there. Yeah. But they put themselves in position yesterday, and he ran good until he got in an accident on pit road. He ran good until he got the right front knocked off of it. And it didn't look like a lot from the outside looking in, but when you saw the, the slow-mo of it, it knocked the crap out of the right front. Yeah. Um, and then, then he just wasn't there the rest of the day. So I, I have to give him that. But before that, I even made a note of it, a bright spot. This is a bright spot for the twenty four. To think that they went to a racetrack that they shouldn't run good, that they hadn't run good, that they thought they wouldn't run good, and they are running consistent. They are running solid. They didn't have to show, come up. To me, they didn't have to show up and win the race. They just had to show that they could be consistent, and I think that's what they did. Now, did you have William Byron being the you know fighting for the points lead, having the most wins of the year? 
over so, and Chase Elliott having oh yeah. no wins and out she of the playoffs yeah. on your bingo card? I, I had I had William Byron over Chase Elliott, and I will until the day I die. Really? Because I think William Byron is the future of Henrik Motorsports, not Chase Elliott. Really? I think William Byron is a bus driver. And what I mean by that is Jeff Gordon was a bus driver. Okay? Joey Logano is a bus driver. Kevin Harvick's a bus driver. They're a guy you can take to a team, and they can look at your team and look at your car and identify weak spots and help you become stronger. They are the total package. They are the guy that you build an organization around. Other drivers come into an organization that's already established and capitalize on what the other driver is doing and what the other driver has been able to do. I think Kyle Busch is showing that he can be a bus driver. You know what I mean? And and that's that's just my terminology. He and was a bus driver at Gibbs a little bit. He would drive people over with them. He'd back the bus <laughs> that's over true. That That's true. That's <laughs> true. But somebody's got to do it. Somebody's yeah. got to do it. Somebody's got to be that man and sack up and do it. You know what I mean? And I think William has a, a is enough of a student of the sport and enough of a sponge um, that he sees the big picture of the sport. He sees where he's at in 2023 and knows where he wants to be in 2027. And he's trying to get there. And so I look at that, and I don't think, to me, that's never been Chase Elliott. I'm sorry. It's just never been a Chase Elliott. It's not an Alex Bowman. It's, to me, that, yeah. that's, that's not Alex Bowman. Kyle Larson will tell you that's not him. You know what I mean? If, if, if you talk to Kyle Larson, he doesn't know anything about a car. Doesn't want to. No, doesn't want to. He just gets in and, and has so much freaking talent and is so natural when it comes to drive. He'll just drive it. So you give him something good, he's going to kick your ass six ways from Sunday. William Byron thinks about it. William Byron is a little Jeff Gordon, is a little, you know, that guy that understands it and moves the ball forward. So did I, did I see Chase without any wins? No, but I didn't see him, you know, doing a, a double backflip and breaking a leg on a, skin, yeah, yeah, a snowboard yeah. either. You know, and that's part of the – that's he's just not recovered. I don't – I have not seen – listen, this is my horse's ass. I've not seen Chase Elliott show up all year. The nine cars are a little bit fascinating because they'll be so fast one week and then so far off the next. But I guess my question is, six races left and 60 points out, does he make it? No way. Really? No. Listen, and I say no way. Let me – he would have to – he would have to gain stage points at some point in time, and he's not shown that he's capable of gaining stage points. Has has anybody seen that? I mean, I've – He's, it's been a push the last two weeks, 60 points, 60 points. When you get, when it, when you get into six races to go, seven races to go, eight races, you can't afford a push. Once you start pushing and it's just the same points, same points, then you're losing. That's a loss. He's not shown that they can win a race. Uh, he's not shown that he can run up front. When they made that move, when they at, at, at Sonoma, when they stayed out and everybody else pitted, then that showed me that they said, we can't win this race. We just need to get as many points as we can. Mm. Great call by Allen. Great call by Allen. Not a problem. Because he stayed out knew, knowing they were going to get passed by tires. They were going to get passed. But let's gain as many points as we can. And that's why we – and when you start playing that game, that's a different game. And listen, God bless him. I hope he makes the playoffs. Yeah. But if you make the playoffs and you're out in the first round, what's that mean? You know what I mean? You just made the playoffs. And that's – sometimes this is why the bubble runs up my – rear end at six miles. We spend so much time talking about the bubble, but most of the people that we talk about on the bubble, we never talk about in the last five or six weeks of the season because they never move from the bubble yeah. 
into the to the penthouse. They just don't do it. You know what I mean? It's just who's going to make the playoffs. So that's why name, they're on the bubble in the first yeah, place. Yeah, name right? them all wild cards, let them in, and let's kick them out. Yeah, a lot of drama. You know where else there's a lot of drama this weekend? Well, here. I was wrapped up right in the middle of it, literally and figuratively. Pit Road. Pit Road so was gonna, a lot of drama. Yeah, we're yes. going to break all that down next on Pit Road Boats and Woes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Pit Road Boats and... Whoa, it's big whoa for me this week, Kyle. Did you see it on TV? Mm, I saw it in the highlights. <laughs> Dude, I'm it was, sorry. So it was, I, listen, uh, I felt bad for you. I thought it was going to snatch your arms off. I, I, I thought I was going for a ride, and I, I felt bad for our whole team. You know, the, the 12 team, I had this talk with um, with our Jackman today. So our Jackman is probably one of the best in the sport, but this is really his first full year on a house car. Yeah. And – just like we talked about with Martin Truex, and I talked about this with Corey quite a bit, it is the tale of two careers as well for a picker guy. When you want to be the guy, when you're on, you know, a development car and you're good, to when you are the guy. Yeah. And I feel like the 12 car, some of it our own doing, some of it unwarranted, just has a bad rep for losing races. And and in the media and just it's it, it was the mo for a long time. You just get crucified on NASCAR Twitter and everywhere. If you're on that car, you have to just, you got to be ready for it. You got to be able to deal with that. And I think that's why it's, I think the 12 is truly one of the hardest cards to pit in our sport um, for that reason, just because the, the, the heat is hot in the kitchen. Yeah. And um, yeah, but, but what happened there was the, everything was fine. And I've talked to Ryan even uh, in the past, just about, you know, if I'm up and going, don't wait on me, go. Yeah. Cause I would, cause but by the time you get to the headlight, you can run at an angle yeah. and beat the car. We see it quite a bit now. And a lot of these races are being one on two tires. So you don't want to waste time. And, uh, everything was fine. But when I engaged, pulled the right front, he hangs a flat tire. He knew it was flat. I go on the hub and he just looks back at the rear changer cause he knew the yeah. right front exchange was perfect. I don't know why, but we saw it a lot this weekend, and I had it happen to me. But right away when I got on the hub, the socket just started laboring all the way down. So it didn't just do that quick pop tight. Yeah. So when it does that, the only thing you can really do is just stay with it until you feel it get tight. And that's an extra two-tenths. Now, two-tenths of a second is very fast, but also an eternity. Eternity. So yes, it is. So by the time he looked at the rear changer and I should have been gone and he knew that we had a good exchange, he did not know that my socket yeah. slowed down by two tenths of a second and he dropped it and Ryan was waiting for the jack to drop and I was still on my knees when yeah. the jack dropped and I tried to get up by it and Ryan was already gone. So it was a bang, bang thing. We ran over the hose and it was uh man with that exhaust right there and there is 
very loud <laughs> and very sketchy. But um, but yeah, and and you know, there's a lot of talk about. There's just a you know you get a lot then all of a sudden you get all the text messages and the talks but that's as much of being able to fail and, and like I said to him I said all these a lot of the poor sons of guns we know when they go to work they have a bad day at work they get yelled at by their boss they just get pissed off and go home I said we have a bad day at work we get yelled at by our boss and the whole world that's gets to public. judge it right on TV yeah it's public that's the great part about the job yeah. like. Like if we wanted to just work normal jobs, we can do do that. We signed up for that, yeah. And that, and that's a big part of it. And being able to deal with that in your brain and use it as motivation or not look at it at all or whatever you got to do to compete for a living, that is a big part of the job. Yeah. And and listen, you, you're the, go back to the pit stop for a minute. And and what I, I think people, it's hard for people to understand, but a pit stop. For you, for the Jackman, for Ryan, it's all muscle memory and how you're trained. Okay? He watches you. You've got a good exchange. He goes to the next guy. That's what the Jack guy does. Yeah. He doesn't know you have an issue. Ryan doesn't know you have an issue. Ryan's trained that when that thing hits the ground, he's go. Yeah. That's it. No ifs, ands, and buts. You don't sit there. You don't. So once there is that glitch, then it's the perfect storm of one mistake makes two mistakes makes catastrophe. Yeah. And that's what happened to you guys. And listen, I'll sit here and tell you straight up. I'm, I'm as guilty as everybody else. Cause you guys can't finish a race. Yeah. And it's I'm, in your head. It, it, well, I've, and, I've, and it's getting in and it's, and the problem is, it's like you said, you're one of, it's one of the toughest teams to pit for is that 12 car because we have that reputation, Yeah. but it's in your head and it's in Ryan's head. And it's in the fans' head. Just like we were talking about Truex. And if you want to lay down on the couch while I psychoanalyze this. <laughs> and, and, but it, it's just like Truex when he said, I can only finish second. And he yeah. breaks that. And then he's not, And that's what we're all waiting on yeah. is, listen, it's like a hockey game. I'm here game. for it. No, listen, it's like racing with three stages is like hockey. There's three periods. I just want you to finish the third period. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get to the third period and you're leaving leading by two goals. Yeah. How can you how can you give it away with two goals up? You know yeah. what I mean? And that's what it appears from the outside looking in sometimes. And I won't I won't from a from a fan's perspective and from my perspective, I want Ryan to be pissed off. Yeah. I don't even be double pissed off that something happened. When he wrecks, I won't even be pissed off at himself that something happened. I don't want well, it just happened. Yeah, you know no, I mean? no, no. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I want the Kyle Bush to come out. Yeah, of oh yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? But you can't. But what you describe is exactly what goes on in every team sport in America. Yep. Something happens that creates another problem that creates, and a team loses. Yeah. You're in a sport, and and what fans have to can't grasp and i don't know why they can't grasp it sometimes is this sport is so competitive and it's such a level now that if you don't have perfect days you oh. don't win it has to be a perfect day yeah nobody overcomes a pit road speeding penalty anymore it seems like yep. nobody overcomes having to pit twice under caution and go to the back nobody overcomes a loose wheel and having to pit under green you just don't do that don't anymore do because these other teams smell blood in the water, and they got you. Yeah, oh it's, yeah. It's over with. So, listen, 
what went on with y'all yesterday will go on six more times, 20 more times before the season's over. I with. disagree. Not for y'all. Not for y'all. <laughs> no. Y- no, no, no. no not for yeah, y'all. Yeah. Not for y'all. Yeah. That's not what I'm no, saying. It's going to go. It's going to happen. It's going to be another team. Race. Yeah, it's going to be another team. And it did yesterday. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I didn't mean. No, please. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't, no, I don't no, want no, you to take it that I'm saying for your team. What I am saying is it happens up and down pit road every week. But when you run as well as y'all run, yeah. And you're up there challenging for the lead, and we see you drive and run down the only guy on the racetrack. Yeah. Then it stands out. Oh yeah. Then it's just magnified. Yeah, and and the reason so the reason that won't happen to us again, right, is because I think in the past with the twelve car, it and this is just going back years, and I was on it when this I, I've been on it and on a different with Brad, yeah. and then back to it. It was that again yeah. and again and again right and it hasn't been that yeah no it hasn't it, and, sure. and it happened this week and you're gonna do that but the reason it's not gonna happen again is because of what jonathan hassler's built there now yep. with his team That's right and it's it's okay not who not why but how yep. how do we fix it that's right not who messed up why do we mess up it's okay yes okay who messed up why do we fix up mess up but more importantly how do we fix it yep. and how we move on yeah and that's where you know We've all gotten better and worked at that, and that's where you know, go next week and Pocono, and now we're in the. Other than Richmond, we're in the summer of gas now. Yeah, you know it's fuel runs, but the trap for right side tires and the ten cars deal was completely different. But the trap completely. for right side tires is just like a receiver in football. Yeah, you go to B before you're done with A, so you don't tighten the right side because you're worried about leaving. So like you have to be disciplined to stay there and make sure your tires tight before you leave, and that's what you know we're trained to do, and that's what you do, and it just and didn't that's work what he out. was doing. It yeah. didn't work out yesterday, and, but and that's why he was he was staying there until his tire was tight. Yeah, he stayed in his position and did everything that that you were supposed to do. The problem is the rest of them yeah. the, they did what they were supposed to do too, and it just was it was just two timing. different things. So, but but then you look at I mean, there's a lot of rough pit stops yesterday, and it's a really tough place to pit. Um, I don't know, and I and we're not. Even though we've been running this car for a year and a half, I don't know that we're far enough down the road with pit stop stuff. Like, we ran five lug nuts. Your dad yeah. had five lug nuts on his car, right? And yeah. even until the last year, as primitive as it was to run five lug nuts and just lug nuts and studs, even until the last 10 races of the last year in 2021 when we ran those, yeah. we were finding new stuff and having new stuff happen that we've never seen before. Yeah, constantly evolving. Yes, and pit stops now, even though we've been doing them for a year and a half, there's still a lot of stuff that we don't understand. And I don't know that Loudon isn't one of those places where there's definitely temperature in the hub and a lot of brake dust and just some stuff going on at short tracks that hinders that. But we saw the 42 lose a wheel. Mm -hmm. We saw the 10 car have trouble. We saw the 20 car have to come back down and and tighten their wheel back up. Uh, The four car had a, had a rough stop at the end of the day. The one car came around the 48 on a, on a stop and the the front changer, the the hose got stuck under the right rear. The front changer had to change the left rear. There was just a lot of stuff going on on pit road. And these are just the cars that are running up front that you know about yeah there's other teams out there that have these same issues that weren't on tv that's not documented in in anything that that have the same issues and the same stuff so it's just not as smooth as as what everybody thinks it is crazy part about the 10 car if you watch that and i I don't know if this is true or not because i haven't seen it but from what i understand he went long eric rolled long in the box and put it in reverse to back up 
and when they put the new tire on, it must have been in reverse and spun, but it knocked the splines out of the wheel that they put on, and that's why it was spinning when he was tightening it, and that might be the reason that they got a false sense that it was tight. Because if it was that loose, it would have probably just fallen off when he rolled back out on the track. But the minute that he got the load, like got on, got yeah. it loaded vertically and then put drive load in it, that thing evacuated. Yeah, it did. And and if, and if you watch it on TV, if there's there's one really good angle of as they're changing it, the tire is spinning. Yeah. Okay. And they hit it, and and he goes out and he rides around, and you see him weaving, you know, to, to put some temperature in it. As he drives in the one, he drives exactly where he, he wants to be. He puts it, but as soon as he spools up, as soon as he powers up, it, there's a shot from the outside of the racetrack, and you see the right rear tire peek out of, of the fender. Yeah. And it's still running straight. It just goes that way. The rest of the car goes this way, and the tire goes that way. So it was, and you see the the nut. It, yeah. c- it comes off and runs up and hits the wall and all that stuff. But it was... Uh, that was a fascinating one to me because I couldn't understand. I, I run it back a couple of times and to watch him weave and stuff. And I'm like, how, how? did that come out? How? Because I, I, you would have thought heating your tires and putting heat in it, that it would have knocked the right rear off at some point down, but it never did. But it's a perfect storm. Right. And, and I go back to even the 48 car in the mid two thousands, yeah. right? Everybody was on them about, Oh, they, they're not, they're not good. They're not doing well. Well, Every pit stop they do, 90% of the time, it's on TV because they're running in the top three. That's right. And the 10 car, if that happened when they were running 15th, you'd never know about it. Think about think about the time, think about the 48 leading and then going and getting the 24 pit crew. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I mean, it, I mean, this is not, people talk about stuff like this, like it's the first time it's ever happened. It's been happening for 40 oh, years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it has been happening forever. Cup now, nowadays, the tough part is there's no other there's no other series running one yeah. lug nut like us yeah so you don't have a pool of guys that yeah. are doing your xfinity car every week to just pull up and there's everybody like i get it on twitter all the time you're fired like <laughs> on yeah. to the next guy and i'm like man it ain't like that it, no it's there's not, not like a lot that. of people sitting in sitting in line no. to do this job and even the guys that want to do it they're not cup ready because being like it's so hard to explain to people that have never done it but it'd be like It'd be like the typical guy saying they can go play running back for the New York Giants. It gets, it's the top of the top. Like it's It's the game. It's the baddest of the badasses that are doing this. That's true. And and that's, you know, that's what's. Hey, can't explain it unless you're in it. 75 miles an hour on 85. I can clearly do that job and I can change a tire. Yep. So I can do your job. Yeah. And every wife in America can be a spotter. Okay. (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that out there. Mon tells me what to do all the time. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. But, yeah, going to, going to Pocono this week, it's probably going to be fuel mileage, getting as much fuel as you can, track position, and just like Loudon, it's not a place you're going to win it on pit road, but you sure as hell can lose yeah. it there. Yeah. So get it right, yeah. get it tight, get it full. So, yeah, I appreciate the hell out of you coming no, here. I could sit here and bench fun. race with you all night, but no, Merriman listen. looks like he's getting a little tired over oh, there. Merriman, Merriman and I have to go home with kids. I got we two. Got things to do. I got two hey. as well. So, but we got a sitter for tonight. If we can go another hour and a half longer, I can miss bedtime. So, that's oh right. come on, man. <laughs> golly, they oh, go to man. bed early. Holy mackerel! What kind of prison you running over there? Maximum security. <laughs> Make sure you tune in for the highpoint.com 400 of Pocono, 2:30 Eastern time this Sunday, Kyle. It's been a pleasure, and this Thank has you. been Stacking Pennies, brought to you by Mobile One.